Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran. I'm with my lovely wife, Carrie, on this Faith Family Film Fellowship and Food Friday in Lent. <laughs> Hi, Tom. I, I like that. We got a lot to cover today. We're going to talk about three other films that will help bolster faith and allow for wonderful family discussions during your Lenten season. We're going to talk about food again, including giving you another recipe that you can enjoy with your family that is in accord with the idea of fasting and eating simply. Uh, And then, Carrie, we're going to talk a bit about fellowship and walking together in this Lenten season when it's not always that easy to do that. This and much more on the program. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you. So let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for the gift of the saints, the, uh, who live lives that inspire us and encourage us and uh, motivate us, Lord, to be more vigorous and generous in our service to you. Uh, Lord Jesus, please draw us out into that special experience of Lent that you have held in reserve for us for this moment. Jesus, thank you for uh, bringing us to places of uh, revelation of our own need for cleansing and of formation. And Lord, bless our conversation today that it would be an encouragement to those who listen in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. With the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, of course, we like alliteration here on Faith and Family Fridays. But during Lent, we added in a bunch of other ones. Uh, We have film and fellowship. And I didn't mention Facebook, but that was sort of just standing for social media. Uh, Lots to cover. Where do you want to start? Why don't you start with your article? Oh, yeah. So... The uh, folks, if you've listened to Sacred Heart Radio and have uh, been a longtime listener of Sacred Heart Radio, you you know the name Pam Gunderson. So for many years, she was a co-host on the Monday editions of Sound Insight uh, when the priests were on. And she was so great about picking books for us to read. Well, I got a uh, an email and she was suggesting that we talk about this article that uh, was pretty striking. It was from a, uh, a, I guess you call it a blog, right? At this point, an online, yeah, it's a, that's a blog uh, on, uh, by a guy named Ted Joya, the honest broker. Do you know what Joya means? No. It means joy in Latin. I mean, not Latin, in Italian. Ted Joy. I wonder if that's his real name. <laughs> but he uh, writes his State of the Culture 2024, it just came out a week ago. And in it, he offers some, I would say, some insights into the nature of social media platforms in general, 
but a wider and more uh, wider and sort of dangerous trend that has worsened and worsened in in the last few years. And it, it, I think it's it's principally showing up. Uh, if you had to identify one social media platform that embodies it all, it would be TikTok, which it has, is if you haven't been on TikTok, it's these like short, snappy videos, and they're not all snappy, but short video clips. They're they're called reels or shorts, but they're less than say fifteen seconds long, and they are meant to grab your attention. And I feel like. They're now on Facebook and Instagram. So, and then once you get on a reel, you can't get off unless you click out of it. So they just feed you this loop. And it, the main thing he's concerned about is this growing sector of distraction where the culture is, uh, there's a whole economy around just keeping us distracted. Um, I don't think the reels are, some of them are engaging, but I find them manipulative or emotionally, they're like clickbait. They want yeah. you to click on, Something that sounds really interesting, like, wait, what happened to this actor? What happened to this famous person? It's terrible. I... And you end up going and scrolling and trying to get the next picture, the next picture, the next picture, because you have to get to the end of what happened to this person. And anyhow, while do you those... still do those? No. Oh, well, I, every three every three months, they come up with a new way to clickbait I know, you. I know. So right now it's uh, reels and they'll throw out just these outrageous reels where you can sense like, whoa, what is this? But what happens when the reel comes on is all this advertisement comes up with it. So they're getting paid av- uh, revenue through keeping you distracted, which is the main purpose of uh, Meta and Apple and all of them is to make money off of us and our addictions. Yeah, right. We are the we are the product. Not we are the what we are the. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah. We're the we're the we're the we're the product that the advertisers are being paid to uh by they're saying facebook is saying or these other ones are saying look we're gonna be able to keep these people addicted to your uh a content by being on our platform and this is dangerous folks it's it's something that we don't realize if we're not spending a lot of time on our phones but i'm gonna bet that it even impacts you just uh, the example of what i see is i use uh, a laptop that has it's a uh, Microsoft Windows laptop. And so its default browser is Microsoft Edge. So its default homepage is msn.com, which is filled with pictures and clickbaity articles that are fed in based on my choices. So it's tracking me and it's knowing the kind of things I'd be interested in. And I, I got to tell you, even though I know that that's happening, I fall for it every day. Every day I'll fall for at least one of I those articles. I don't want to know that. <laughs> All I know is I don't like to be handled or manipulated. Or if if they are trying to get me to go in a direction, I my natural instinct is no and go in the opposite direction. And especially when I know that it's, it's still having an impact monetizing... on you, isn't it? It, it? You you don't have, it's like you're still being impacted. Even if the impact is... I'm, I have this surge of energy in me to resist and and to reject what it is that is being put in front of me versus the it's just there and I'm neither drawn to it and nor am I repulsed by it. I just don't even see it. So I think that would probably even be a next level step 
right? I'm not saying that I'm better off if I click on one that says, really? Did, was there a, an NBA record that was broken today? Let me go click on that and find out what that was. And come to find out, most of these articles, they're not produced by MSN. They are just shortened versions of an original article, but they're still getting all of the uh, ad revenue because they took the shortened version with the link to the first article uh, on the page that they have. So it's a it's a business model that is definitely about making money. But that, folks, that's maybe for most of you, if you're going on the internet, you're probably going to find yourself in front of those kinds of opportunities to follow clickbait, right? Just to follow an article that it's really just not that important. Well, I don't think it impacts us the same way it impacts our kids. And I think this is the point of the article is that there's such a distraction with the reels that it leads to no, an addiction. No, it, thank you. There it is. So folks, you have to think of three words that this article is talking about. That entertainment is now <clears throat> all about dopamine, right? It's that it's that uh, chemical in the brain that is connected to the pleasure center that when you see something, you experience it, you, you experience this hit of dopamine, right? And that is something that will distract us because we find it pleasurable, pleasant, enjoyable. And so we'll keep clicking through and swiping through reel after reel, video after video because of this dopamine rush. But the more dangerous impact is what you used as the word addiction. It leads to addiction where we no longer, a person who's addicted no longer has a complete sense of freedom, but they are in bondage to that which they have as an addiction. And so you have this addiction associated with the use of smartphones and use of uh, laptops and other types of, uh, you know, internet connected devices. And this article goes into this article again uh, on the state of the culture 2024 is saying uh, is drawing attention to the way that this is radically degrading this sense of personal freedom, personal formation, and it's leading people into not only depression and anxiety, uh, but in situations where they shouldn't feel that, you know, people are like, why am I feeling so depressed and anxious, but also lead them into a situation where the, uh, the act of watching and consuming all of these videos is no longer even pleasurable, but they do it simply to avoid the pain that that's one of the safety mechanisms of the, our body biologically is that if we're doing something that is no longer in a healthy balance, our body is going to start reacting against it. And it's going to give a reduced amount of pleasure until eventually it's no longer even pleasurable. And that seems like a paradox, that whole idea of, wait, I don't get anything out of it. What was the term they used? Yeah. Anhedonia? Yeah. Uh, hedonia? Uh, and yeah, no, anhedonia. So Thank think you. of hedonism, anhedonia. It's a Greek word that refers to the lack of pleasure and even the the painful experience of doing something that was intended to bring pleasure. And that's, that's what, uh, you know, you talk about sin has a quality that is addictive, progressive, and deadly. And the addictive quality is that 
it promises more, but it gives less. And so the more that you give yourself over to the pleasurable aspect of sin, you're asked to give more progressively, but you get less and less in return. I mean, you can experience this late at night. I know I should go to bed, but I'll stay up and watch a show and then I'll watch a second show or I'll be that, they call it doom scrolling or- I've never heard that phrase, doom scrolling. Well, and what you, does that mean? Well, what do you think it means in your own experience of scrolling? You doom want, scroll. you just keep scrolling and scrolling. And then do you feel better and relieved and leisured after and peaceful afterwards? No, you're like, what am I doing? Why wasting did I my just life? waste 30 minutes of I'm my life? Wasting my life. <laughs> I'm never going to get that 30 minutes back. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't feel I really knew the addiction of the phone until I didn't have the phone for a week. I don't think we really recognize how captured we are in it. And I can say, oh, it's just that I'm listening to these great podcasts that give really good insight and information, or I'm connecting with my family through Zoom, or I'm looking at these wonderful, inspiring videos on how to remodel my home. <laughs> so we're not watching porn or shop, you know, addicted to shopping or whatnot. It, it's not this terrible thing. It's just occupying space in my brain. And it really didn't show up until I didn't have my phone for a week. And then I was like, oh, that's that peace, that calm, that space of freedom. I can breathe that I didn't have. The other thing is all of this media plays into our thoughts and how we see ourselves, how we think about ourselves, how we think about faith, how we think about our relationship with our children, our husband. Our, and so, so much of it is comparative and it and this is where a lot of the anxiety and depression i think comes to girls to young women is they just don't have what everyone else has so to speak and it is so debilitating and deadening well and talk about timeliness so uh, i received this link to this article from pam uh yesterday morning and i sent it off to a mom of uh a player uh, a teammate on our daughter's uh, volleyball team because she was talking about how she was trying to navigate, help her daughter, her 14 year old daughter navigate the use of uh, her smartphone. And I was, you know, me, <laughs> I was like, you know, a hot knife on butter, just kind of slicing through all of that and saying, Oh no, you know, she's like, Oh no, her phone is locked down and her phone, she's very restricted. And I said, you're only as restricted as your daughter's friends are. And it was just sort of like deer in the headlights. Like, what? Wait a minute. What are you talking about? I feel, I forget that we've gone through this with six kids and that we're now around some families where these are their oldest daughters and they still have no idea what is ahead of them, even though there's so much research and there's so many stories and there's so many testimonies of oh, how um, hard and difficult this this whole world can be. It feels like some people are entering it for the first time. Well, maybe their child never had that phone yet because it's their oldest. And it, I, you know, it, I love the phone in a lot of ways, but the dangers of it are continuing to get dangerous, more dangerous, more okay, worse. So I didn't tell you this. Addictive. She told me she lives on a cul-de-sac okay. with her pastor a couple doors down and the pastor's oldest son was given unfettered access. Idiota. Idiota. Smartphone. And it, it essentially destroyed his life in some in some meaningful ways so they had to remove him from the family and they had to put him into a program for a time because it led him to they just don't see how that does suicidal not suicidal thinking 
I, and if this, I was, and, Tom, if I was given a phone at 13, at 12, at 14, I would be that same kid. Yeah. I would have been off the rails. I, I don't know how parents don't realize this is where it heads because they continue to go deeper into dive deeper into. And I think I'm so triggered. Like when my fit, my kids grab my phone, I'm like, get off my phone. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell phone. you what, what they ended up doing and the impact it's had on this neighbor. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, just before the break, we were talking about the uh, the neighbor, the the pastor. And you think a pastor raise, raising his kids in a very intentional way and in a, in a way that says, I, I get all this and all that. And, but it was just a handful of years ago and it was the son got into, involved in stuff and it had these really bad impacts on him and they had to remove him from the house. And uh, he's still not allowed to live in the house, but the daughters that are there, they are really constrained and locked down regarding the access to and use of smartphones and other connected technology in their home. And I think that's sort of the the sad story is sometimes it takes, you know, you get wait, put your hand on the stove and it gets burnt and that's what teaches you the lesson. I think that that is a lot of what happens in families is we we experience really painful impacts before it's driven home that there's a lot at stake here. So even though I, I told this mom, I, I really appreciate the fact that you are locking down your kid's phone to the extent that you know how to do it. And I sent her a couple of videos because she's like, how do I lock down Spotify? And I'm like, here's a little, I just, I just sent her a screenshot video. I'd never done that before. But I, I remember that, oh, you can actually on an iPhone do a screen record. So I just recorded it and sent it off rather than trying to explain it. And um, I was like, hey, that's pretty cool technology. But it was, oh, I'm happy to have that girl hang out with those two girls because I know that they're even more. And I'm like, that's the point. You can't just have them hang around with any old kid at school when she said they don't have any restraining uh, uh, filters on their phones. I'm thinking, I said, you have to talk to their parents. You have to talk to their parents. It's almost like you have to get so brutally honest, forceful in their face, because I just feel like how many times have we told parents and they won't listen? And then two years later, it's all ruined. <laughs> I know it sounds so extreme, but it is. It is an ex just if you think about what kids can access. It's so different nowadays. And it's not, and like I said, we and we don't really talk about this a lot. And it's not just what they access, it's the impact it has, especially on a girl's persona. I screenshotted this today, um, which I thought was really interesting. It's on one of the face group books of face group Facebook Facebook <laughs> Speaking of not being on technology, she goes, Imagine something embarrassing happening to you at school when you were in seventh grade. Everyone laughed and it was awful and you were really mortified. And that does happen. That did happen to me. 
Then a few weeks passed and everyone found out new things to laugh at and they moved on. You didn't forget how embarrassed you were, but they all did. Now, imagine you did something embarrassing in seventh grade and everyone laughed and it was awful, but someone also caught it on a Snapchat and turned it into a meme, a TikTok, and everyone in school saw it and then took a screenshot of it and spread it throughout all the school and further than you could imagine. You couldn't get away from it and no one forgot and also couldn't eat and you couldn't either. And people are still laughing about it months later. So just sit there and imagine it for a minute. Kids aren't ready for social media. It starts with us as parents. And I know that's a, a kind of extreme example, but it isn't. That happens. And it happens in many directions. You see it on of other kids undergoing it and it causes anxiety and you see it happening to your own son or daughter or yourself. And it causes just changes your whole brain patterns. It's so impactful. And I feel like one day, not far away, we're going to be in communities or areas where there's no phones allowed. It's just going to be like, it's been finally realized how damaging and deadening these are to young folks. There just will be no phones allowed in these blocks of miles. Yeah. I, I think about when we say what, what are concrete solutions? And I said the concrete solution is culture, right? It's that whole atmosphere of what's expected and, and just considered what is normal. And we've identified three, three social groupings, if you will, three communities that are necessary for a kid to really be able to navigate the challenges. The first one is the family. The second one is the friends. And the third is the school. Those three communities have to be involved, have to be involved in the kid's life to be able to help him or her at the high school level, especially, but even the junior high level, for junior high and high school levels to be able to um, be preserved from and have the necessary protections from the those damaging effects that are just horrific. And you know, you gave one that like social embarrassment and bullying, but then you think about pornography and you think about uh, again exposure to horrific anti anti-God ideas and uh, all the immoralities, the immorality, total immorality. Parents are your enemy. Yeah. Impurity, immodesty, uh, uh, every thought forming bad minds. Right. So if you don't have it in your home among your kids, friends, and that means their families too. And I guess that you could draw a line to the, to the church community, right? So you have a supportive church community, but it's not like the kids are living a lot of their lives in their church community. That's more about the friends. And then it really is about the school. What, what are, where are they at day to day? Uh, you know, and for all those hours during the day, our kids are spending more of their waking hours in the school environment than they are in our home, which is, that's kind of a scary thought. Well, it depends on what school you're at. Yeah. I love our schools. <laughs> it's not a scary thought to me. I, and they need that. They need that separation. They, they need to grow apart from us so that they can grow into their own selves as unique and wonderful as they are. Um, so that will happen. And and I think if we're considering, oh, we're just going to keep them home and, and school them here and that'll be the end. I, I, you know, our hope is that our kids go away to a school and flourish and enjoy and love what's being taught, who their friends are, the environment in which they're in, that it's not constantly fighting against uh, faith things or fighting against things that are trying to strip them of their innocence and their goodness. And that's, that's such a rarity. You have to seek that out. So you brought up something that 
I think we didn't really, really, really appreciate until the last few years, but only in a very existential personal way this past year. And that is, it's not just high school, it's also college. And the specific impact is the culture of the college is almost more important or it's as important as the academic programs. It's as important in that they're away from you then. And they are all in to the forming of their mind from their peers and their teachers. And they have no way to breathe cleanly, clearly, because it is just dominant in one direction or in one flow of thought. And this is nothing new. I mean, we're seeing colleges go crazy (laughs) and their campuses and their thoughts and things that we could never have imagined 20 years ago. And it's being spoken loudly and clearly. So to think your child is going to survive that or your young adult, when even the teachers themselves have to leave or get banished or whatnot, they're not. So I just, when people are super excited, their kid gets into University of Washington or wherever, I'm like, just, you just wait. It is not, it's, it's anti-God, anti-God, anti-God. So in contrast, two conversations with two of my kids at Franciscan University, Around shouted out for Steubenville. Uh, one was at about 1130 at night, his time, 830 our time, 845. You had just taken off to go pick up Luciana from volleyball. And I was sitting there with talking to John Mark. He had called. It was about, again, quarter and nine. So it's about quarter of midnight. And I said, hey, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm waiting for my friend to come back so that we can pray a rosary together. Like, come on, let's go. And I said, well, hey, we'll pray a rosary with you right now. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. So John Mark joined us from Franciscan University and joined his two sisters and me. uh, And we prayed a rosary together uh, at night. Now, that's a culture. That is a culture thing that is there. And then talking to Mary Catherine, she's in a household, and she was just saying how she was uh, questioned about was she being humble and docile enough? <laughs> Her attitude, how she was showing up at yeah. the house in the yeah, household. Like, are you being Marian enough in your attitude uh, in this household? And and my daughter was like, she would went in humble, and she's like, I'm just going to go humble myself some more to those to those sisters of mine in my household who didn't think I was humble enough. I'm not going to write them off. I'm not going to give them a bad look. I'm going to go and I'm going to just humble myself in front of them and just be with them in a pleasant way. All right, that's culture. That's the atmosphere that you know. You take you're going to get this kind of degree versus this kind of degree. <laughs> No, if you can form the heart, the mind, the spirit, the character, the attitudes, the way of seeing and living life that is there, yeah, that between 18 and 22 years old in that range of years, yeah, I want that. I want that for my kids even more than I want the most prestigious degree, not even a question. Um. So, so folks, it, it's hard to overstate the importance of paying attention to the, not just the distracting effects, but the addictive impacts of smartphones and social media and internet connected TVs. And Lent can be an incredible time to minimize that, to purify that, 
to change that. So yeah, something that we do during Lent and that's really helpful is um, I think it was Sunday we got back from our trip and just kind of went around and shared what we were giving up. And of course the kids were readjusting as they had to painfully go without certain things. And then some of them were, no, I'm going to stick with it and it's going bad and it's going good. And then just sharing, well, well, how can we pray for you this week? Or what would you like to see happen this week in your, your Lenten resolve? And to let them know that, yeah, God sees them, but we see them and we're here to support them and we're here to support each other. And so I shared with the kids that I was really convicted of going on rants because my kids would give me a funny look in the car, mom, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I started praying about that during mass and I started writing down all the things that I think about in my mind that are somewhat, someone would consider a rant and it was very revealing and convicting and just like, okay, Lord, this is an area in my life that I'm really not aware of. I want to grow in. I want to grow out of, I want you to speak in your truth. I I want to be set free, whatever it is in my mind and heart that is stirring, that is um, needing this sense of, I have to talk about this, or I, I need to just, you know, it's, and it's also part of our family thing. You know, no, <laughs> <laughs> you do not rant about anything. Honestly, I'm like, wait, does Tom rant? No. <laughs> it's like, oh, that'd be so annoying. And I'm around some of my siblings that also do it. And then they get, oh, it's really annoying. And then I do it. But um, it was really good. So I shared this with my kids. Now, every time I say anything that's so much analytical, I'm like, <laughs> like, ranting. I was like, I said one sentence. So they love calling me out. And, um, but it is, it's, it's a time to be purified. It's a time to recollect, to self, to know thyself, self-knowledge. It's, it's so powerful in setting us free to know who we are and then how God sees us and how he wants to, to uh, cleanse us, set us free, really. You, you're giving an incredibly beautiful example of the personal nature of Lent that uh, yesterday in the program, I was like recalling to folks' minds the idea that Lent is a personal journey with Christ into a desert that is specifically ours. I use that kind of cutesy phrase, uh, the desert that has your name on it, the the desert of Lent that the Lord has held in reserve from all eternity. And you have one chance to live Lent in this year, this calendar year. And that's that like raises the bar of how special and how important this time can be if we're willing to do it. If we're willing to spend time and listen to him and, and up our game a little bit, I think and trust and trust ourselves to the father say, I mean, he desires so much that we would be set free, that we would grow closer to him, that we would love each other deep, deeply and better. And so it's not the sense of, Oh, that this will never work. It's no spending time and trusting it to him. And then, just watch what he brings back. I never started Lent with this idea of, oh, I'm going to pray through this whole area, but it's neat to see how God reveals us, ourselves to ourselves. <laughs> it is really powerful. And it really is a work of the Holy Spirit because you, Tom, or my kids can say, mom, you're doing this, mom, you're doing this, honey, you're doing this, or you show up this way. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. But it's really not until the Holy Spirit convicts our heart I try to be like the Holy Spirit and you're like, doesn't always work. He convicts us and it's all grace. I mean, it really is. I mean, we do have to put ourselves in his presence. We do have to spend time quietly with him, but it is a wonderful work. And 
just never to doubt it, that God wants so much more for us. If we could only spend time pondering that and just setting ourselves up to be touched by him. Yeah. Well, I'll just give a quick update here in the last minute and a half that we have before the break. And then I want to talk about films because that's a good use of media that we can have in the Lenten season. Uh, I would say that the second week of Lent has has been a lot better than the first week. Uh, and I don't just mean, um, I, I mean, uh, like this, the calendar week has okay. been a lot better. Um, the the first week and the first 10 days were, were pretty hard, mostly because I was sick. And it just made it difficult for me to have a sense of energy and strength to live stuff out. And I think sometimes we just get caught off by the beginning of Lent. Yeah. I think that's part I, of our... I mean, I... I'm not going to give myself that space, but I, I think that the things that I wanted to do, I, I just was so sick. I just didn't have a lot of energy to do them. Well, anyways, the point is I'm being surprised, pleasantly surprised where I'm getting prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to say, oh, you know, get up and, and go to mass. Like it happened yesterday morning. And I was like, oh, I'll drive Annalise. And then I'm like, hey, wait a minute. There's mass at 7 a.m. I'll do that. And immediately inside of me, my heart leapt up and said, but it's too late for me to drink any coffee. And I'm like, ah, because I, I didn't have that in mind. So I didn't drink coffee in time. So I had to forego coffee until after mass. That was a little bit of a sacrifice, I bet. <laughs> but I did it. I did it. And I know these are little things, but it was following the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do something that was sacrificial to extend myself to serve the Lord in prayer and by going to mass and make a little sacrifice and then come home and have my coffee. All right, there you go. There's my update. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. One last little PS on my Lenten check-in. It's not just that I, I feel like I'm doing better because I, I actually have done some things that I, I feel like are Lenten-like in my pursuit of the Lord and what he's asking of me. But there's also a way in which I'm also being pressed to surrender things that the Lord is asking me to, to give over. And some of that has to do with spending time on smartphones um, or on video. I, I think we've fallen a little bit into that habit for whatever reasons, being sick or whatever oh, excuses. And how is this? It's really enjoyable and entertaining. It's and it's, not that you're tricky. tired at the end of the night and it's easier to do that than it is to do something else. It is easier for me. Let me own it personally, not for you, for me to do that rather than something else. But I'm feeling that conviction around let that go. Don't you do know, that. And some things I, I recommend, and maybe it works differently in your house, but we just give up sweets entirely as a family. Like they just disappear from the house or junk food. And, you know, some people are like, well, you can let your kids decide if they want to have that or not. Well, I think if you knew our house, we have plenty of food that's not always healthy. So it's a good time to uh, culturally just be together and say, this is something hard for us, but it's something so good to pursue together. And it does create uh, togetherness, unity. It binds us together in one mission, one goal. So again, I think if you haven't as a family found something to do all together to give up or to enter into, because I said, you know, maybe you do an adoration hour every week, do a family rosary every night, do a stations of the cross once a week, something where you all know that this is part of the calendar. They all see it. It's on the calendar. Everyone's like, okay, this is what we're doing for Lent. It really does 
build towards something very special and meaningful. And I said to you just last night, I don't want to get to the triduum and go, oh, I had such a terrible Lent. That's such a terrible feeling, <laughs> such a terrible experience. And not terrible, like um, hard. It's just a letdown. Like God had so much more for me or so much more for us. And yeah. so I just encourage you. And, and I've made a distinction and that this might be helpful. It's that there's a difference between having a great Lent because you, again, took on these things and, and uh, left behind these other things and you did it. And you're like, yay, I'm making a victory lap. That's one. Another experience is I feel called to uphold these particular standards and I'm striving to do so, but I continue to fall short. That's not what you're talking about. I think you're talking about just living a mediocre Lent where I didn't really try or strive to either fulfill sacrifices that I feel called to, but just didn't do it. It's no, I didn't even attempt to discern and strive for these worthy, noble, Lent-like goals. I just read this morning, Mother Teresa said, saints are sinners who keep getting up or who keep striving. Do you know the, the quote? Yeah. It's really it's simple. The, it, it, I feel like it should be on a poster <laughs> or a felt banner. But it makes it feel like, oh, okay. So it's not, and like you said, Tom, it's not like I'm choosing to, to, to do wrong or to do evil. It's, oh no, I just keep struggling in my own human imperfection and weakness but I keep striving. I keep yeah. putting in the effort. I keep resetting. Isn't that part of like the, the distraction on the internet stuff? Yeah, sure. It can be just rather flattening of any kind of noble or great life. So let's turn the page on that and say, how can we use something like the internet to give us access to a noble and great life and make it something that's inspiring and uphold an ideal? Well, last week we recommended three movies that we found to be just fantastic. And I'm looking at my notes, but it was, uh, St. Philip Neri, the heaven. I prefer heaven. I prefer heaven. Yeah. And it was Don Bosco. Yep. And that was, I had a little tagline on it as well. I can't remember it. The life of St. John Bosco. Something about love. And then the third one was, uh, Bakita. That's right. St. Uh, Josephine Bakita. From yes. slave to something. From slave to saint. Yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I, I just encourage, Families, if you have the ability to watch saint movies during the season and encourage your kids and something to look forward to. And again, just see the good that is out there. Um, it feels it's, it feels funny. It's like, oh, you should like this is a real effort to watch a good video versus just like TikTok scroll. Like, okay, this is the good use of media. Um, there's a saint, she's not a saint yet. It's no. Claire. Is, is she even blessed? No. Okay. Her name's Claire Crockett and you can go to sisterclaire.com and, and she Claire is C-L-A-R-E sister spelled out sister, yeah. sisterclaire.com. And we talked about her last year. Yes, we did. Yeah. We had a whole program on her. Yeah. Yeah. An amazing uh, religious sister. She was from Ireland and had a, a very interesting background where she was in, um, like was pursuing um, a career in media in acting well, she and, was only 16 or 17 when she was which, pursuing her career. She, well, she had she, dreams. She had dreams and she had a gift and she had a great personality, pretty girl, and was uh, and kind of had floated away from her Catholic faith uh, in terms of being like fervent, practicing it. And basically, she enjoyed being a teenage girl. She was a typical Irish girl. Wasn't she from Derby? Was it Derby? The county Derby? I'm trying to remember, but just a t- typical cultural Catholic girl heard about a pilgrimage, thought it was a party bus and got on it and realized all these ladies were going to Lourdes 
for a pilgrimage. And she's like, wait, what? And someone, I think the priest had told her, oh no, we're going to go have this great party. It's going to be so fun. And she really was a, a young girl of the world and just loved her life and loved boyfriends and, and enjoyed just being a typical kind of teenager without that conversion. Yeah. So she ended up having this conversion in, um, in 19, uh, in uh, 2001. She was like 18 years old at yeah, that time. 18. Yeah. Just, just about 19. And she ended up uh, entering this religious community, the sister, uh, the servant sisters of the home of the mother and ended up taking vows and, and uh, was a, a perpetual uh, perpetually vowed in 2010. And she, she lived a life that was like very magnetic uh, and was someone who was like very much drawn, drew the young people to her. And she was like really used by God in very beautiful ways to uh, in her service that radiated Christ and drew people, young people to the faith. Yeah. One of her quotes, um, she passed away in an earthquake and this is all in the movie. And the interesting thing about this movie, we've said this before is it's all real footage of her. So this is when people had cameras and videos on little video recorders on their phone. And so they put together just beautiful touching footage of her joy and her love with being with children, with being with her sisters. And she left her home. It was about 10 years. She was in this order before the earthquake came and did not see her family for those years. I think that there's one or two very brief visits, but really truly said, he who does not, you know, leave his mother, father, brother, sister to follow me is not worthy of me. It was kind of the sense of she had such a great call, but one quote she said, and this is related to Good Friday, which you can see her whole attitude, even though Good Friday is a sad day, I don't know how to explain the joy and enthusiastic desire I have to suffer for the Lord. Everything seems little to me, the lack of sleep, fasting, the heat, having to attend to the people, everything that could be difficult fills me with joy because it brings me closer to the Lord. I spent a good amount of time in front of the cross asking for the grace to never, never forget everything that the Lord and our lady have suffered for me. So you really get the sense. And, and that's probably the one word you would get from this video is joy that she radiated joy. Well, and you bring up one of the factors that I believe would be compelling for a lot of uh, young people today, like teenagers that would watch the fi film is it wasn't that like St. Dominic Savio at seven years old, wrote down his resolutions for the rest of his life. And, you know, one of them was death, but not sin. Right. Yes. <laughs> but rather she was someone, even after that pilgrimage, she had this awakening of faith. She fell back into her old lifestyle and drinking and some drugs and boyfriends and this sort of thing and pursuing an acting career. But it was, it was something that the Lord continued to pursue her and the Lord won. Yeah. So if you want to watch her video, it's on YouTube, all or nothing, sister Claire Crockett, and you can watch the full movie for free. So, yeah. And I, it, it's very powerful because it, you give the sense that the kid, if you have your kids watching it, don't tell them the outcome, like what's going to happen to her just watch her life and then watch it unfold. And it's like, oh my gosh, she died at 33 years old in this earthquake unexpectedly. Um, very powerful. And, you know, there's these, in, these anecdotes about how she was talking about death at lunch that day. And I'm not afraid to die. I get to go be with the one I love and the one I'm pursuing. 
right? So very powerful. So that's that's one movie. And so get to know Sister Claire, uh, All or Nothing. Uh, what was the second one? Uh, the Free Burma Rangers. Free Burma Rangers. Very powerful. That was very, you know, we were told about that one by Mary Grace. It's about a pastor and his wife who fear fear feel this call to go be with these uh, these like villagers living in the jungles of Burma, where there's this terrible like war going on. It's like the warlords civil and gangs, war. yeah, fighting, yeah. killing, raping, pillaging. And there's no one there to reach out to these uh, these villages and to care for them and rescue them because they're being driven away, driven out of their homes. And and so it's a documentary style uh, story about this guy and yes, his and wife. This, and they get married, have, uh, they get married and they start missionary work the day of the next day after they get married and have three children in this area. And so they're, when you think about, oh, I want my kids to be safe and protected and, you know, it would be terrible to have to go somewhere where it's really hard. Um, just the amount of faith and trust, knowing that God is calling them, they have such great confidence yep. in his protection. And it's very uh, encouraging to our own faith. It also convicts, it's a lot of conviction that happens. Super convicting. <laughs> Holy cow. And well, then they go from there to Syria. I think it was Syrian war. They get called to, I believe it's Iraq where they are. Oh, on the they border. go to Iraq on the, on the border there. They're there to help again, rescue uh, people of faith who don't have um, anybody to to like help them, and you, again, this is this is not fictionalized. It's real footage. This is real footage of these people. So I don't being know. shot at. <laughs> I mean, machine guns being attacked, and and they don't know the outcome. Yeah, right? and so you don't know. I I'm just saying our kids watched it, but I would definitely um, preview it or get more reviews on whether or not it's good for your son or daughter and their age and their sensitivities. Well, for mom and dad, you get convicted. Like I am living so, like such. Why a are we slug. scrolling? Why are we addicted to our? Why phones? are we wasting our lives when these <laughs> people are all in serving people they have no connection to, other than God's call, and they cling to that truth that the safest place for their kids to be is in the center of God's will for them. Like that's where they're safe, right? If you're doing what God's will is, they're safe. Yes. What's unsafe is scrolling. That's much more dangerous than being on the front lines where there are bullets flying if that's the center of God's will for you. The safety of not physical safety, but how about spiritual safety? Yeah, unbelievable. So free Burma Rangers, very powerful. Okay, we have one more. Uh, just those two, but I was just going to say, how did you like the oh, uh, okay. shrimp? We have Oh, the- yeah. So, hey, folks. Butter, garlic, shrimp. Oh, my goodness. Carrie mentioned From that Costco. last week. It lived up to its billing. Well, our, okay. Carrie, there was like ravening hyenas that <laughs> that showed up at our house. It's a beautiful dinner. Tom and I were able to go and uh, cook dinner. Our, our daughter was exhausted. She's the oldest and just in a tough, rigorous program and doing a ton of ministry at the same time and working. And uh, it was so great to go to Newburgh. Um, she brought us to her, her juice shop and where she, this couple, these two couples started this new um, business. And it's amazing they have juicers or a juicer. And so I was con- trying to compare it or contrast it to like wake up call or several of these coffee shops that sell these sugary Red Bull drinks that are just terrible for you. <laughs> have a ton of sugar. They're all these syrups. They're our kids' favorite drinks. <laughs> terrible. And we were contrasting that to this real healthy, amazing, yummy drink. 
that they've um, worked these recipes out just to perfection and you drink it and feel so good and they cost the same. So I was like, what are we doing here? So I'm really convicted to get a juicer of some sort and try to implement some of these recipes. But she, um, we were able to go there and she was loving on our kids, her si siblings, which is so amazing. Then we were able just to um, provide a wonderful couple of meals for her and just enjoy time together. So anyhow, that's when we had the garlic butter shrimp and it was really good. It wasn't like, I wouldn't say it was amazing. <laughs> it's really good. We were hungry. Uh, the next re food I have or small recipe I have for Friday, but tonight will be Friday. Um, Actually, we're going to leave that as a surprise. Right. Uh, we have a, we're up against a break and we come back, we'll get the next uh, recipe for this week. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. So Carrie, now I'm hungry. It's a Friday in Lent and you're talking about food. I mean, we want garlic shrimp. That was really good from pasta. Uh, garlic shrimp pasta from Costco. Yes. Okay. But what what do we have for today? Serve something up for me here. Okay. Why are we doing this? I don't know. Why are we talking about food? I don't know. I, it's not my thing, but it just feels like Lent and being hungry leads to a little bit more creativity because um, when you're <laughs> when you're hungry, you start to really think about all the possibilities and how yummy everything tastes. And so we've been doing this the Wednesday, Friday, twenty four hour fasts, which are fantastic, even though they're hard, but it's good. And uh, so this week, super easy baked zita, ziti, sorry. And it can be any pasta shell; doesn't have to be ziti if you don't have it. But it's just basically a meatless spaghetti sauce and some cottage cheese and some kind of mozzarella. But the, the nice thing about this recipe, you can put any cheese that you need to get rid of because we're still cleaning out our freezer and our refrigerator. Uh, you add an egg for some uh, moisture and then just a few seasonings and you bake it in the oven and everyone loves it. Just a light salad and you're good to go. So that's pretty simple. And it's like a, uh, a, a minimum, uh, an easier form of lasagna. Uh, yeah, you wanted the to add the shells and yes. all that. It's pretty much lasagna well, it, it's or a, manicotti well, pizza. It's flour and cheese and sauce. So most, yeah, most <laughs> tacos, they're just flour, corn flour, some meat, some sauce and some cheese. They're just different flavorings. So different countries have different flavorings, but they usually use some kind of carb with a sauce and a meat and some cheese. It's when you start to look at recipes, no meat on Fridays. <laughs> Carrie, it looks I, that way. I got to tell you, one of the truths that has become absolutely confirmed in my mind is do not go food shopping or do not order out at restaurants when you're hungry. At, I mean, Lent, it puts when I, you've sent me to the store. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? I have failed because I go to the store and I'm hungry and I come out with. Like uh, we went to the store, I was a Sunday in Lent and, and I said, just get one dessert so we can be done with it. All of a sudden you bring all here's this. a box of sweet cereal and I here's said, what a, are you doing? Oh, okay, you're hi, I just, I collapsed. I, I just know. collapsed because of the, the, again, it's like, it's so revealing. You yeah. don't realize the strength of the flesh until you try to battle against it. And it, food is a, it's a perennial battle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, again, one of the gifts. I mean, you could actually say there's a basic addiction to food because you need it, of course, to survive. You kind of need it because you've been proven that you don't actually, you could do water fasts and still be fine. 
so much. Okay, but somewhat. there's a difference between an authentic <laughs> somewhat, need for a time, an authentic need, and uh, something that you're attached to that you don't have the freedom to act apart from. That's an okay. Addiction. That's a good point. <clears throat> I just feel like food. I have an addiction to just food in general. Like I, it's there. I want it. I eat it. It, and I think about it. And I think the fasting has revealed to me just how how involved food is in my life. And I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just saying it's something I'm attached to, like the phone. Carrie, <laughs> it showed up Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. It was terrible. You, I was driving. You should have been driving. I told, take, I was like, what are you doing? I said, well, I said no. We went to mass as a family. And then you said, Taco Tuesday, it's a dollar a taco. It's a new thing. Our kids are wanting these because we're really trying to cut back on going out to eat. And uh, we found all the little, all the little hacks that you could possibly yep. find. But this place is crowded on Tuesday, and we had a really great the incident that happened with our car where Les Schwab ended up covering the cost. We wanted to bless them, so we brought them a meal. I said, I'm just going to go get them a ton of tacos, and then we happened to go back and grab food after dinner. And I was like, just let's mass. just or after mass, sorry, yeah. And then we ordered too many, but it was fine. We actually well, I ate ordered them all. too many. You were like, you you started ranting. You like, ranted, do you do see, we don't need that many. It's just a, it's just a I was so hungry. I was so hungry. And I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to, I'm going to order. So I ordered far more than you thought we needed. But well, what I, happened when we got home? We ate them all. Ate them all. You, you will eat what's in front of you pr- pretty much. So I, I just encourage people, moms, families to experiment with some fun Lenten meals, especially on Friday when you're fasting and you have a little bit more desire to eat healthy because you're really, really craving that healthier food. Um, I mean, it, the funny thing about Len is the big joke is, oh, we're gonna, I have to suffer through lobster and salmon and that never happened growing and, up. Okay, growing up, fish sticks and fish sticks and French fries. And pizza. Oh, fish oh, really? sticks and pizza. That was it. We had we had cheese pizza. That the only positive of the cheese pizza was that it was my mom's homemade cheese pizza. So that was good, right? But it was fish sticks. That's that's really pretty much all we ever had. I think we did a lot of rice. I'm thinking, did like, you really like fried rice? I don't remember ever. Fried it was one you know, of the things like my that. mom made. She was really creative, though. She would go and cook like very different foods. See, that's where you got it from. I, I, well, nowadays I don't feel like I'm at all creative in that I can watch any recipe, not only look at the recipe and have all the ingredients in my house in one hour, but I can watch a video on how to do See, there's everything. The gift. Social media, it's a gift here. You can look at all that stuff. All, so, the, the, the narrow slices of positivity that are there yeah. right, are offset by all the other negatives. All right, brothers and sisters, we are in the uh, like just sort of the last 30 seconds of the program. I just want to say that um, it's a real gift to be able to walk with you and we share about our lives the way we do to be a blessing to you. Our goal is to really support you, encourage you, and help you be accountable to God's call for your Lenten season. Carrie, thanks for being with me today. Uh, on Monday, uh, please tune in. Uh, it's uh, These are my wonderful opportunities to get local priests in, especially Father Lewis and Father Nagel when they're available. Uh, sometimes the schedule's a little more challenging, and so we're not always able to have them. If you're enjoying these programs, please go to mycatholicfaith.org and you can listen to the podcast version of the programs or just go to your favorite uh, podcast uh, streaming solution and you'll be able to find them there as well. God bless.